Okay, hello and welcome to part two of the C21 podcast from Real Screen in New Orleans 2019. Uh, very UK-focused uh, edition yesterday, so we are crossing the pond uh, in every sense of the, uh, the term today. We've got four uh, North American producers here. We're going to quickly rattle around the uh, table and introduce them now. Robert Twilley, the Senior VP and General Manager of uh, Jupiter. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Just for the benefit of people that maybe don't know Jupiter... Um, run us through a couple of your shows. Sure. Uh, we are known for our true crime work uh, now. Uh, we have uh, Snapped at Oxygen, which is uh, 450 episodes strong, uh, uh, Homicide Hunter at ID, and several other titles at both of those networks. We're um, you know, known as one of the largest producers of true crime content in the world. Okay. Uh, we've got David Brady uh, from Cream Productions. Do you want to give us your, your elevator pitch or escalator pitch, as somebody put it yesterday? But. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're based out of Toronto with an LA office, but we're a good Canadian company. We're known. We're also known for crime lately. We've got about uh, four series on ID right now. Uh, sixth season of Fear Thy Neighbor, which is uh, I wouldn't say it's a fun show, but it's uh, it's fun to make. Um, we just uh, we had a show on PBS that's airing right now called The Dictator's Playbook, which got a. We were really happy with the press, uh, sort of the mainstream press, because it was very political and. Uh, and we're uh, working on a pretty exciting CNN series now. Um, that's sort of our highest, um, I guess, highest on-screen celebrity talent to date. I can't really talk about it yet, but I can't wait till I can. Ari Mark, who is the uh, co-founder of Ample and a, an extensive uh, career before that as well. What, tell us a little bit about Ample. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ample is we're Culver City based uh, in Los Angeles. Um, we're not we're not really genre specific as much as I kind of think of us as like sensibility specific. So we try to really. Uh, we're quality psychos, um, so we take we take it pretty seriously that the shows are sort of substantive. I think the show that's most relevant to mention right now, uh, just because it's launching this minute, is uh, Nine Months with Courtney Cox, which is on Facebook. It dropped because I'm young. Cool. <laughs> uh, recently, I want to think it was last week, and she was just on Ellen, and it's uh, it's a beautiful show. So check it out. And finally, we have uh, David Shadrach-Smith, who is the CEO of uh, Part 2. David, tell us a bit about, uh, about your firm. Part 2 Pictures, uh, 12 years old, so we're, we're still at it. Um, probably best known for This Is Life with Lisa Ling on CNN. Uh, and we have a new series coming out in April on CNN with uh, Sanjay Gupta. Um, and we uh, also did, on the darker side, Darknet on Showtime. So we like to play in... Uh, the the world of human driven storytelling um, and and great crafted kind of work and uh, again a little genre agnostic yeah. but very much holding to our core values as as storytellers so hopefully we can contribute that perspective to this conversation so a great panel uh, we're going to quickly rattle through a few talking points from the week um, but I'm obviously keen to get your perspective on uh, what you've thought of Real Screen. A couple of years ago, the one at Washington seemed really sort of downbeat. There was a lot of talk about margins being squeezed, production companies going to the wall. Whether that whether that happened to the extent that people said it was going to or not is up for debate. But it feels a lot more optimistic here, and I don't think that's just because it's moved to New Orleans. I did put this point to, to our English producers that we spoke to yesterday and got quite a, a lukewarm response, but it feels to me like it's been a more optimistic market. You guys are at the coalface. How do you sort of feel about the state of the industry at the moment? I don't know who wants yeah. to go first. I mean, I'll just say, like, you know, it, it, it's, uh, 
I don't know. I mean, my first one, first of all, I launched Ample, I think, at that downbeat. <laughs> so there must be, I must be saying like really wrong with me. I'm like, let's only, launch a it company. It can only go up from there. Yeah, but uh, exactly. Um, no, I, my personal feeling, and I actually haven't really had a chance to discuss this with anyone because we're all running around. So, uh, you know, I'm glad you're asking. Like, it, it, to me, it feels really good. Like, it, it definitely feels positive. I would even go so far as to say, like, I can't remember a real screen that felt this uh, energized. Um, it's maybe it's in my mind, but mm. for me, uh, and from what I'm seeing from other people, it does feel like the change in venue has really helped. I think the environment in New Orleans is festive by design. So what happens is you sort of automatically start remembering, like, wait a minute, I love the people in this community. Like yeah. they're actually good people, yeah. you know. And, and I don't know. For me, like we're we're in our bubble so much, like all of us as production companies, that it's, you don't really get a chance to look around and talk to anybody. So I'm getting like in a good feeling. I, I I totally agree. I think that two years ago, I remember that it was. <laughs> you're right. I think that the Netflix effect, as I think some referred to it earlier, and the OTTs coming online, really freaked people out for a while. I think that there's a bit of. Um, you know, people gotten used to kind of the new world of television. They realize, you know, it's not it's not the end of the world. We're all going to react to it. We've all been around a while now. We know how we're creative people. We're good business people. We know that we're going to we're we're still here. Um, and I think the realism that you know it's not the end of the world and we're in New Orleans has really helped. I think that I had also it's not as tense as it used to be too. I think that everyone's kind of a little more relaxed because. I think what happens, happens, and everyone just realizes, you know, we're just gonna make TV no matter what happens, you know? Yeah. People are embracing real screen for what I think it really is valuable for. It's, it's more of a chance to, to meet with our friends, reconnect with people we haven't seen in a while, not aggressively pitch. This is not a great place to pitch. You're just, you're, you're washed with a sea of, of pitches and it just gets lost in the shuffle. Um, it's a good way to kick off the year. You have the follow-up afterward with your with your clients to, to, to really, roll out your ideas and to generate the sales that you are hoping for. But uh, the, the purpose of this conference is really to, to again, to reestablish your connections with your with your friends. Yeah. David, are you going to tell me you're really miserable? Or you um, <laughs> horribly miserable. Uh, no, but I do want to throw a little shade into that conversation and, and sort of think about it as like, you know, I, I feel an energy that's very positive and I feel that it's questioning whether it actually is the world changing or we're just sort of wanting to change the narrative now because we have lived with these disruptions and these questions about the models unraveling and, and viewership questions and um, seeing lots of things start up and disappear and, and I think the fact that we are still going at it and going about it, I... I personally I'm, I'm feeding off of a, okay those things are still happening those realities haven't necessarily changed in a, in a sort of tangible way right. but we appreciate that we still get to do what we love there's still audiences however you can find them the model that's clarifying and changing around the business is a little bit more the responsibility of the distributors and the and the networks, and they are going to figure it out. I feel confident that they are going to figure it out. But but there is an energy yeah. of, of I, can, I think a community yeah, feeling yeah. of like we are still here because we love telling stories and and we're good at it, and it's mm -hmm. celebrating and with, that. And with struggle comes camaraderie so it's like right. you sort of feel like <laughs> right. okay like we're all in this together you know I mean sure we're competing but we're also on the 
in one phone. And good time. work is still rewarded. There's still the right. opportunity. If your ideas are good, you're going to find a home. And so I think it's we're all better for gone through the experience of the last couple of years. I think the, those who are here are stronger for that experience, mm-hmm. and they know what it takes to be successful. And if you come out with, with good ideas, it's going to find a home. Let's talk about that Netflix effect. I mean, it's widen it out maybe to the, to the streamers because, I mean, it has changed the industry sort of beyond recognition, although this has been another event where we've been talking about them and not really to them. And Toby Faulkner was here, but no, no Netflix and, and what have you. How has it affected your businesses, that, that change? And I'll, I'll go around the table. And the reason I ask is because it's great if you have a Netflix series or, like you say, you've, uh, Ari, you've got one away on Facebook. But for the other production companies, the bread and butter of the cable nets, that, that is being squeezed. So I just wonder if it is this wonderful, all-encompassing, brilliant Netflix effect that we hear about for, for every producer. Or, you know, for guys like you who are reliant on true crime, you know, on cable nets, I wonder if, it, you know, if it's actually not such a positive thing. I don't know. I think Netflix are wonderful marketers. They really have done a great job of promoting themselves. And, and that has, I think, created this impression that cable is certain cables is changing it is not dying however and i think it is it's found its new base level and it's going to continue to thrive and will sustain itself because at the end of the day cable does a wonderful job of curating its content better than netflix or any of the streaming services ever could and it's better at preserving a brand identity and you know for the ids and the oxygens of the world they've got a real presence that's going to persist um, and so I, I I feel really bullish about where we're at despite having no business with Netflix currently would I like to have some sure but we don't and so um, but we're, we're still finding great opportunities um, I'm bullish as well about Netflix I think um, I'm starting to figure out what Netflix is about because I think everyone's been very reactionary and we've been hearing sort of about Netflix from everybody but Netflix for a while we, we did just close a, a series deal with Netflix, and we fought with them. No, it was a great experience, but we, we negotiated with them for about eight months um, and then ended up basically where we started, which was on their terms. But um, we're happy with the deal. Um, so I've learned a lot in that experience, and in the end, it's actually a pretty good deal. So I can't, I'm not even supposed to announce it, but it's sort of, I consider it, a, it's like a, a, a Game of Thrones, a Japanese Game of Thrones, let's just call it. So it's just been signed, and I feel that um, that Netflix has opened up for us. We're, we're, we built ourselves on Specialist Factual. So um, you know, in the old in the old days, we do two-hour specials of science and history for Channel Four and things like that. So uh, miniseries come natural to us, and things that you can binge. Whereas cable, you need cable has been you know character-based, long-running uh, series for quite a few years now. But if it doesn't fit into that cable model, it sort of fell off the table. And Netflix, because of its bingeability and its, its, and its international aspect, along with Amazon, is, has an, an, a market that we can sell into for those sort of mini-series and those specials that you can binge over a day or a weekend. So I actually see opportunity there. Yeah. If, you can, if you can handle their financial model, there's opportunity there. Your Netflix negotiation sounds like our Brexit negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's over at least. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just don't. No, no, no. I mean, I, I was just going to add that, you know, I don't... I don't really understand when people talk about the Netflix effect or, or anything, any negativity around Netflix as a huge player in the space. I, I just, I can't wrap my head around what's negative about it, just because 
they're a player and they're a big player and frankly they're putting a lot of pressure on the cable networks to step up you know um, it used to be you know you go to the cable market or you, try, you know it's like or when I was a buyer and like you're trying to buy something it's you, it's you or nobody else you know there wasn't really that level of kind of pressure or leverage so um, I don't know I think it's I can't think of what I don't know what the Brits think but I don't <laughs> it sounded like you had a sad yeah, I mean, your your Courtney Cox series, yeah. did you take that straight to Facebook and how did that negotiation and deal differ from a deal if you'd done it with Bravo or something? Well, I mean, I think, um, to be fair, I think that, you know, the success of that so far, uh, and hopefully it, can, it, it, it continues to be successful, um, but, you know, we had this big asset with Courtney. We found what she was really passionate about, which is motherhood and, you know, uh, people trying to get pregnant and that struggle and that journey. So we tapped into something with her. So she was motivated uh, and she really stepped up and really helped, you know, um, to help really get that through. But, you know, when it comes to Facebook deal wise, budgets are very healthy. Um, Deals are good, just as good as anybody else. Um, You know, they're still in a place, I think, where they're trying to figure out. Uh, exactly how they're planning to, you know, handle distribution. Um, I don't really fully understand the metric for success, and I know that that's an evolving thing. So obviously, for them, the, the challenge is going to be they don't have a foundation with which to look at and say. I mean, say what you will about the old stodgy, you know, an old stodgy cable network, but the fact is, is like they know what they know, and they do have this knowledge base that they can continue to draw from in this experience. Um, and what you get with Facebook, of course, is what is it, 6 billion people yeah. <laughs> on the platform. So yeah. uh, it's been going really well. Yeah. I, I just It'd be interesting to see what happens in five years. Obviously, we don't have a crystal ball. But um, the fact that they wanted quality and that they really went for that, mm. as opposed to just going for low-hanging fruit, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. You know? mm. um, one of the... Um, did, sorry, David. Well, I did want to add to the Netflix. I, do, I, I definitely think it has been the driver of the massive changes that are going on in the business model and and I think as a production company the bar of development has become very heavy and yeah. high and and I think that has fallen on us a little bit to dig deeper into our resources clarify what we're going out with and and it, you know it's such a different model of programming where you know what goes out and Programmed, you know, is like uh, traditionally you have Thursday night and we need a hit and then we program around that hit. That's not what Netflix is doing. They're obviously looking for hits, but they're looking for niche pieces of programming so that there's something for everybody when you go there, right? You just need to pay your $9.99. <laughs> What's interesting about it, and, and, and of course, you know, we, we talk to them as I hope everybody does. Um, you know, in that world, they have become a bit of a major single buyer kind of ecosystem, which has put, I think, a lot of pressure on the channels, on production companies. But what they're leading the way toward is these new kind of streaming platforms that I'm super excited about. You know, when, when I see like one of our biggest partners with CNN, for instance, is now part of this AT&T universe that's going to come out. You know, for them, they might get 100 new hours of programming to play with. And uh, the same thing might happen to um, National Geographic when they become part of the Disney 
streaming, they are going to, I think, get more chances to do more programming uh, and not have to literally program it on a schedule and and look for that single hit that can drive all the other programming so i think it's you know like a library, yeah. it's a it's yeah, yeah it's going to be a and it, it, i don't know how the consumer is going to absorb and Filter. and i think as robert was saying you know these brands are actually going to become more important whether it's cnn or national geographic or id even as they port over to a different kind of business model the magic pot of cable fees and things that were driving the proliferation of, of all the content to now is going away. But they're going to be relevant and important going forward, and I think they're going to have even bigger appetites. So I, I think Netflix has driven a profound, but ultimately, you know, leading toward a positive outlook. We've heard, I get, hear from a lot of production companies about how much you have to commit in the development phase before you even get to pitch now. Um, now, when you're doing that for a cable net and the margins are being squeezed in cable, we hear that a lot as well. One of the things that was said on a panel yesterday is that sooner or later the cable nets are going to have to start leaving some rights <laughs> with you guys when they've previously been very assiduous about taking all their, their rights. They're going to have to leave some, some back end with you guys to make it worthwhile. Now, firstly, I've always been told that that was a pipe dream in the US. It's never going to happen. So I want to know whether it still is a pipe dream. And also a point that was made on the podcast we did yesterday, would you guys actually want to retain rights as opposed to being work for hire? Because would they not just use that as a chance to, to lower the budget again if they're saying, well, you can have this and this and this, but we're actually only going to pay X instead of Y? Would it be a, a sort of double-edged sword in, in that respect? For me, the rights piece is actually weirdly like psychological. Like, I, I don't know how much money... Yes, sure, there's there's opportunity if you retain those rights. And maybe you guys know better than me about this. But to me, the idea of sharing in the thing that we created is a really good feeling. And it feels a little bit more like a partnership, frankly, as opposed to you're making this for us go away, you know? Um, and so, you know... And I've noticed with a lot of... To your point, with a lot of these, especially some of these sort of smaller cable channels... If you come to them with something that's half the price and you are aggressive about it and you say, we can make this for this number and it's not going to affect quality that much, give me this, that, and the other thing, it actually really does feel like a conversation for the first time. Um, I don't know, do you agree with that? or you know, I'm probably, you think it's a fake conversation? Like, well, I'm kind of the outlier because, because I'm Canadian. We, we oh, probably yeah, retain rights fair. to... Uh, <laughs> don't hate me. We can go in sort of either way to every conversation. So, yeah. you know, we retain rights to about probably... 80 to 90 percent of the series we do uh the cnn one for instance we don't um because they just want it and that's a great partnership with us because it's a pain in the ass to retain rights in multi-party finance but when the network can't afford it uh you they want something that they couldn't afford on their own so some of these smaller cable nets need to co-produce we're in a position luckily where we can bring money to the table so um I don't prefer either, and I like in our slate to have a, a little bit of a mix. Because um, I'll give you, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll, about Netflix, for instance. We are we're co-producing with Netflix, so we're retaining rights, at least on paper. But I am bringing money to the table. But Netflix, for instance, opened up a whole because we retain rights, opens up a whole cash flow issue. Because guess what? They don't start paying, they don't finish paying for three more years. Yeah. Um, so, and I think that's pretty standard. So I'm not, I'm not like you know. But um, whereas if you can, if it's a full commission with them, it's cash up front. So you're dealing with all kinds of different problems. I'm I'm 
sitting well on the fence yeah. about rights. We're seeing some opportunities to continue to retain rights, um, but I don't see that as a trend necessarily because as there's greater consolidation in the ownership of, of networks, is you know Comcast wants to retain rights, and, and so as they're growing their holdings, as AT&T is growing its holding, as Disney is growing its, the, that ownership of IP and being able to distribute it around the world is critical, and so I, I don't see that is a trend by any means, no. Okay. Do you want rights? Well, I, I would love to have some rights because I would love to build value in part two pictures yeah. as well. And I, I think that's something we've talked about, explored in many different ways. This year we launched a podcast company because we, A, I love it and wanted to create again on, on that lovely freeing way but and you're good at podcasts and I, love, I feel really like oh there's a microphone what can we do with this um, but but also you know developing our own IP felt like the right thing to do to, to set that conversation off um, I, I would agree though I don't necessarily see it as a trend what I do see because of these global markets that are so critical to the to the business model of all these streamers and, and Amazon and Netflix and all of them. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that's going to become the dominant thing or just a stopgap for some of the smaller uh, or, or you know budget-cutting cable networks that really are looking to fund their thing. But what I do, what I do think is going to be a trend in an overall sense is creative deal making. And that means yeah. whether you're bringing a brand or a global partner or you have a piece of IP or some kind of way of packaging the whole thing just like think differently like just the straight commission kind of model may or may not always be there and whether rights are part of that or whether it's some other piece you bring marketing whatever it is that creative deal making is the overall future. I've, I've already kept you guys for much longer than I, uh, I said I was going to, but I wanted to, to, to just put this final point. Um, Nancy Daniels was the keynote yesterday and she uh, spoke a little bit about Border Live and why it didn't necessarily work for them. Uh, live in Factual was a big buzzy thing at the towards the end of last year on the back of Live PD. Everybody, every production company we spoke to was talking about what they're going to do in Live and a lot of the channels were as well. Has that show punctured that balloon, or is it just uh, an example of a show that, for whatever reason, didn't quite hit? Not that you want to rat on somebody else's show. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I don't know anything about live television. It scares the, yeah. the shit out of me. The only thing I know about live is that my bro- little brother did it as a producer for years, stressed him out so much that he became a cop, and he's now a detective. <laughs> so For the quiet life. I have been wanting to stay away from live television, so I, I really, other than that, I, I, I can't speak to it. It scares me. His brother's on live feed. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I, I don't think it's punctured anything. I just, I, 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 don't, I don't know, like, I, I think trends in general, I don't really buy it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just feel like, sure, things gain momentum, and you notice that somebody's doing this and it gets in someone else's brain because we're all sharing the same giant community brain yeah. and we're all reading this a lot of the same things so it starts kind of taking a little bit of life of its own but I don't I don't think I mean maybe doing live for the border isn't you know maybe it just brings up too many other other issues and it's too polarized yeah. that's, that I'm is sure what, that's what she said that is what yeah she yeah. said basically 
if everybody's been bombarded with horrible news exactly. all day, they want to put on cable channels for a release yeah, and then so escape. Live, but live it's birthday it's party. Yeah. 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 Whereas I mean, live PD is just live cops. You just think someone's yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. drunk and get, yeah. take their shirt off. Yeah. I don't I mean, know, what's the, the harm there? <laughs> if, the car, if the caravan is coming and you're standing there waiting for it with a live camera, <laughs> you're going to be very disappointed. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. pretty bleak, right? But I mean, it, it, like the the concept of live makes sense if you're in if you're not a Netflix or and you're like oh, how are we bringing viewers to our channel? It's like well we have something they can't do as well as That's we right. can, and that is go live and yeah, no, and right. you know it, that feels like they're gonna try it again, try it again, again. I don't know. If, I I would be scared to do one, but you know the right one. It will keep going. Yeah, I think it's, it's a trend that's that's going to last, and there's you know things that will work and things that won't work, and I, I think it's it's something that's going to be here for. It's just one of those yeah. shows. Yeah, it's that like didn't find when it. reality television, when the docu soaps were so popular, not everyone was successful, but it didn't it didn't diminish the 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 attraction of that of that genre, and uh, so it, it's just. It'll, there'll be hits and misses. Yeah. So it's going to carry on, but you guys don't want a piece of it. <laughs> leave yeah, leave I you with it. 3D too. Right? <laughs> okay. I, 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 yeah. We did a 3D thing. Oh, wow. First and last. So. Got, the, got the stomach lining of a 54-year-old air traffic controller. <laughs> um, okay, guys, that's been great. I really appreciate uh, really appreciate your time. Uh, that is it from our coverage of uh, Real Screen uh, in 2019. We've all had a, an absolute blast in New Orleans, and we're looking forward already to to coming back. Uh, next year so I thank the panel for uh, for their time this evening and uh, you can keep up with the latest news on C21 on our website on our Twitter and on our Facebook in the meantime signing off